Hey, Tyler. Yeah, Serena. How many things would you say that you know? Oh, Serena, I know many a things. <laughs> I would say at least ten thousand things I do know. So basically, I know everything. But there's a lot more stuff out there than just 10,000. Uh, 10, so clearly, you don't know everything, Tyler. Like, get over yourself. No, 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 no. Serena, Serena, by knowing everything, I know 10,000 things. Well, that makes sense, I guess, but also the fact that it doesn't. Okay, like, I get why you're fighting me on this, <laughs> but, like, I know 10,000 things, therefore I know everything. See, Tyler, this doesn't work now because you switched it around because essentially 10,000 is not the equivalent of infinity, which is what the word everything incorporates. Deal with that. <laughs> oh, my God. There's more than 10,000 things to know, no. and you can't possibly know them. No. Never mind. I'm Serena Schreifels. I'm Tyler Stramberg. And you're listening to the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Airbender and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. And at the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to the Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. Tyler, I am pumped for this episode. Oh my God. Because this is one of my absolute favorite episodes oh my on God. the shut face up, of the shut planet. Up, shut up, shut up. That's verdict territory, Serena. I'm sorry. Serena. I'm sorry. Serena, we I just can't got, give it away. I just got really excited about it because okay, but like before I love this, knowledge. Before this, though, we were talking about, you were like, I have one great episode and one episode I hate. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, because I think that be, Tyler knows. This is going to be another like episode where I'm like, I have no clue where you're going. I have no clue how you feel. And it's just going to totally take me by surprise. And like, that's what Sam and I always tried to do. But like with you, it's like legitimate because I don't live with you and I don't see how you're actually feeling and processing exactly. the episode. So I'm like... Holy shit, what does she think? I know. So, Serena. So, I'm excited because today we're talking about the 10th episode of book two titled The Library. Knowledge. <laughs> Knowledge. <laughs> with books and stuff. Um, Don't say it like that. Say it with reverence. With books. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading a lot lately, so I actually do like I books, and I make that. a reference to the books that I've been reading later yeah, in for it, this guys. episode. Um, and I'm not super proud of it, but whatever. I'm proud for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm dyslexic. It's hard for me to read. <laughs> I actually am dyslexic, and that's why I struggle with um, um, anime when it's subbed, because Japanese is right. the fastest speaking language, and I can't keep up. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I literally looked at, I was like, why can I keep up with some subtitles, but not all mm-hmm. subtitles? Yeah. Like Parasite, I kept up with most of them. I was like, there's maybe only one or two lines that I missed. But like, it's always Spanish movies that I do poorly with, and Spanish is oh, like the most yep. common when you're like growing up. And then once I got into anime, I was like, I can't even, I can't, like this is going way too fast. I'm missing almost all of this. So then I was like thinking one day, I was like, does it have to do with the speed of which the languages are talked? Turns out... Fastest speaking languages. Number one is Japanese. Number two is Spanish. Three is French. And four is English. Oh, God, I love French. So that makes sense. Languages that are faster than the ones I natively speak, I have trouble keeping up with when I'm reading. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to read the synopsis. Yeah, so now. sorry. It's been. Um, yeah. So, at a desert oasis, the group encounters a professor who tells them of a hidden library overseen by a spirit in the desert. Inside, Sako discovers the date of an upcoming solar eclipse, which will cripple the firebender's abilities, a crucial weakness of the Fire Nation's 
that has the potential to end the war. The spirit of the library refuses to allow them to leave with the knowledge and sinks the library into the sand. The team narrowly escapes the library, but is devastated by the loss of Appa, who is captured by sandbenders in their absence. This episode premiered on Nickelodeon on July 14th, 2006, and was written by John O'Brien. Serena, I just want to say I was watching this. You don't know this unless you've listened to the entirety of like the whole series, which I don't think you have, and that's okay. I haven't, no. <laughs> okay. I hate John O'Brien. I hate John O'Brien so much. Mm. I think he is a bad writer. I think he does not do the series justice. He is a very good comedic writer. He knows how to write comedy very, very well. But like when it comes to serious things, he like cannot do it. See, I think that that's where we might differ because I feel like I love John O'Brien. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I was watching this episode and about halfway through, I was like, this is a John O'Brien episode, isn't it? Ooh, called it! I could tell, r- not right away, but I could tell while I was watching that. this, I knew. John O'Brien, if you're out there, you have a voice. John O'Brien, if you are out there, I hate you and come <laughs> on our podcast. Please, John O'Brien, I'll, I'll love you. I actually have like interview questions for John O'Brien <gasps> in case he ever wants to come on our podcast. And he so, should. So, John O'Brien, I am prepared for to ask you these burning questions I have. And they're burning, trust me. Let's move on to plot and themes and stuff. And yeah, things to know. Things to know. So, you guys, guess what? This episode and the one that follows it, The Desert, aired as the one-hour special Avatar, The Fury of Aang. And when we were pre-reading, I was like, I didn't know that, first off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Tyler, what the heck? Why is it called the Fury of Aang? (laughs) I'm like, because I can't give away spoilers right now. Yeah, but also like... like, It has to do with like one thing in the next episode. Yeah, it's like one thing for like two seconds. And it doesn't doesn't make sense. Anyway. It's it's not good. It's not a good job. Um, Bad job. It's not a good job, bad job. Not a good job, bad job. It's not a good job. Okay. Um, Moving on, Professor Zay asks Aang what his people's primary agricultural product was, to which Aang wonders if fruit pies... Fruit pies. Fruit (laughs) pies are an agricultural product. This is a reference to the flashback in the Southern Air Temple in which Aang and Monkey Yatso practice airbending using fruit pies. So cute. It's freaking cute. cute. Oh my God, I love fruit pies. I just picked a whole bunch of apples. You better make a fruit pie. I've never had fruit pies, but I mean, I'm going to make apple pie because you just got like a bunch of fresh picked apples. You did. My grandmother has an orchard. We love to see them. Yes. Anyway, speaking of like dramatic, (laughs) so Sokka's dramatic declaration of his desired mini vacation destination, which is the library, which I totally relate with because Sokka, marry me, um, (laughs) mirrors Katara's dramatic declaration of earthbending use in Imprisoned both in animation style and pose. The library looks like a mix of Turkey's Hagia Sophia and India's Taj Mahal. And also, also just to add on, this library is also an equivalent to the Great Library of Alexandria, which was one of the largest and most significant libraries of the ancient world, supposedly holding more than 400,000 collected texts during its height. The Great Library of Alexandria um, is rumored to have said to have burned down 
And we equate this to the library in Avatar, sinking. Yeah, this is a big thing. Like, um, I saw a tweet once where it was like, this is how the scholars must have felt when the Library of Alexandria burned down. Um, but fun fact, that's actually not true. That's yeah. a commonly believed myth. Um, what actually happened is the library just deteriorated over time because it was under control of the Roman Empire. And Freaking as the Roman Romans. Empire fell, so did the library. Ugh, golly. So it kind of was just one of those things where it's like, it's old. Also, like... That library was around for, like, hundreds of years, so, like, good job. Yeah, good job, library. <laughs> like, it, it held up pretty well. <laughs> um, next point. Wan Chitong represents himself as either a barn owl or a serpent-like creature, which are both animals used to symbol as symbols for knowledge in the real world. Although an owl is a traditional symbol of wisdom and viewed as an animal that may harbor mysteries or secrets, the owl is, in actuality, not a very intelligent bird. That's why I think that if I were a bird, I'd be an owl. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> because also... J.K. Rowling did her research for Harry Potter. <laughs> for Harold Porter? Um, Is no. this Barack Obama? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Wan Chitong is an owl. And he would know, if he were intelligent, that the waterbending scroll that Katara gives to him was the same one that she stole from the pirates in the episode of oh, The Waterbending shit. Scroll. Oh, Interesting. Like, Wan Chitong would know that if he were intelligent. The library has some more fun things about it. This was actually one of my favorite things, like, reading. I read this in the the Art of Avatar book. Um, the planetarium calendar required a devised dating system for the Avatar world. Um, the outside ring used the traditional Chinese zodiac animals to identify a cycle of 12 years. That is really interesting. Yeah, right? That's a, that's a worthy $30 that you paid for the Art of Avatar. Honestly, it is. <laughs> because also, the series calligrapher... S.L. Lee came up with historically based names for all 16 eras. That's cool, too. Fun fact about S.L. Lee, which I also found out in the Art of Avatar book. He was just like a like a professional calligrapher that they found. I think he's a professor at some university. Ooh. I want to say University of Massachusetts, but I'm not sure. Um, and the creators were just like, hey, we're creating a show based off like Asia and we need some calligraphy done. Um, would you mind telling us like kind of how to do it. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, like, just sign me on. I'll do it. I'll do it. Heck yeah, <laughs> and so, like, when, And so, like, whenever they needed calligraphy done, they would, like, tell him, and he would be like, who's supposed to be writing this? Is this supposed to be, like, a peasant is writing this? Is this supposed to be, like, an official document? Is this supposed... Oh. And, like, he would base the calligraphy, like, off of, like, that, and, like, that's why it had, like, so many distinct styles. That's really cool. It was really cool. I love it. Like, just it's just a minor detail that is done like in this show. So good job, SLE. We go love you. SLE. We're gonna continue. The inner two rings have the number of days for the month and then months of the year. And also below the calendar are the characters for the spring equinox, the summer e uh, summer solstice, autumn equinox, and winter solstice. <clears throat> Another point uh, that we bring up here. I wonder if you got this from thirty dollars. Uh, when Katara tries to use water bending against Wan Shi Tang. He states that he has studied all types of waterbending, including foggy swamp style. Because this is the style used by the foggy swamp tribe, as seen in the episode The Swamp. Thank you. That's all the things we have to know. That's a long things to know. That was almost a page long. See, that's why it's called the library, Tyler. Things to know. It's a library of things that we have to know. And the, there's I've, not even nearly 10,000 of I've them. I've actually so. like prepped a lot of the future episodes for this. And there are like many a things to know in the future episodes. Many a things? Many a things. Like 10,000 things? I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> oh my God. 
Okay, so let's jump into wow. our first um, theme of the episode, which I had to use a thesaurus a lot for this, and I had to look up a lot of definitions. So let's buckle on in because this is going to be a, your a lot of information thrown at you, almost as if it's a library of knowledge that's going to get thrown towards you. First theme is neutrality bias. And neutrality bias is the idea that some journalists or news outlets are so concerned with appearing as neutral that they forget about objectivity, when often objectivity is not neutrality. Objectivity is not neutrality. One more time for the people in the back. Objectivity is not neutrality! Thank you. Yes, thank you. Because often by focusing on neutrality and forgetting objectivity, we bo- we see both sides as equally bad, even though objectively, one side could be committing much more horrendous acts than the other. Yeah, and um, I tried my hardest to be not political in the early days of this podcast, but we can't do that anymore. Season yeah, no. two is a very political season, it so is. here yeah. we go. <laughs> we see this a lot in media today. Mo- many news outlets are trying Snaps. to stay neutral when the current administration gives false statements that are then not corrected or contested because doing so other lies would mean labeling themselves as fake news or liberal media. Right on. This leads us to our most concerning point doing nothing is taking the side of the oppressor by labeling both sides as bad you intentionally choose to ignore the atrocities that are committed with one side to the other and we have a quote from the episode on that you betrayed my trust from the beginning you intended to misuse this knowledge for evil purposes you don't understand if anyone's evil it's the fire nation You saw what they did to your library. They're destructive and dangerous. We need this information. You think you're the first person to believe their war was justified? Countless others before you have come here seeking weapons or weaknesses or battle strategies. We had no choice. Please, we're just desperate to protect the people we love. Wang Chitan is intentionally ignoring the evil acts of the Fire Nation and equating them to the gang trying to stop them from doing so. He labels both as evil, even though one is trying to save lives and the other is trying to completely wipe out and already has wiped out entire populations. Therefore, by being neutral, and I quote, being neutral, end quote, he's taking the side of the Fire Nation. By not allowing them to be stopped, he is allowing them to continue killing people and spreading fear and terror. Serena, I love politics. And in case you didn't know, I was so excited to be like, (laughs) oh my God, there are politics in this episode. Oh yeah, baby. Oh my God, there's a future episode that's coming out and like I am already, I've already watched it. I've already started taking notes because I'm like, I'm so excited to like get into this. I what you're talking about. Um, You will know it when it comes out. And fun fact, that podcast episode will release around the same time of the election. So it will be very timely. We did that on purpose. No, we didn't. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. Anyway, anyway so we're going to move on. And this point kind of relates, um, and it jumps a little bit back earlier to the episode, but that is um, knowledge equals power. And I say that, like, this jumps a little bit earlier. I wanted to include net, um, neutrality bias because I felt like that was more important of a theme. But um, Professor Zay puts it really accurately in the earlier part of the episode. This library is more valuable than gold. Little lady, it is said to contain a vast collection of knowledge, and knowledge is priceless. 
The main goal for going to the library is for Sokka to get information on the Fire Nation so that they can have a plan to possibly defeat them. And we see the flash that connects mm-hmm. the first season when Zhao mentioned that he had been to the library before as well. I discovered a hidden library, underground in fact. I tore through scroll after scroll. One of them contained a detailed illustration and the words moon and ocean. I knew then that these spirits could be found and killed, and that it was my destiny to do so. This knowledge itself gave Zhao the power to kill the ocean and moon spirits. Ooh, you know it did. And oh boy, was that a <laughs> It's almost that was a whole as thing. if the knowledge he gained gave him the power, the power to commit a horrendous act. It was quite horrendous, let me tell Almost you. Almost as if knowledge equals power. Oh my god, what? Are we, what? <laughs> Is that the theme? <laughs> what? Um, you guys, Wan Chi Tong also brings up this connection between power and knowledge, although he thinks of it as evil. Hmm. Humans only bother learning things to get the edge on other humans, like that firebender who came to this place a few years ago looking to destroy his enemy. So... Who are you trying to destroy? And later in the episode, we see that the Fire Nation knew that should anyone else discover the library, they would be vulnerable to anything that might be known about them. So it was decided to destroy everything about the Fire Nation. Firebenders. They destroyed everything having to do with the Fire Nation. That's so unfair! Just when I think I'm one step ahead of the Fire Nation, it turns out they beat us here a long time ago. We can also assume it was Zhao who who destroyed all of the information on the Fire Nation in the Great Library. Um, The Great Library of Wang Shitong, not Alexandria. But the Great Library of Alexandria was also burned. No, it was deteriorated. (laughs) That was a rumor, Tyler. I knew my I was history. trying to make the connections. <laughs> the dots are connected. <laughs> Spe- oh my god, that's perfect because speaking of connections. Speaking of connections, Tyler, get connected for ed- free <laughs> with education connection. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to shut that down right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, you guys, this episode is structurally important because this episode is definitely a transition episode. Ergo connection one dot to the other hello thank you um and it's done so by setting this up from the beginning of the episode because as we could see in the episode and he's already started to learn earthbending which took him the entire first season for him to begin learning waterbending so as a viewer we're questioning like okay what's going on um which is answered right away in this quote i'm learning the elements as fast as i can i practice hard every day with toff and katara i've been training my arrow off Yeah, what's wrong with having a little fun in our downtime? Even if you do master all of the elements, then what? It's not like we have a map of the Fire Nation. Should we just head west until we reach the Fire Lord's house? Knock, knock. Hello, Fire Lord? Anybody home? I don't think so. We need some intelligence if we're going to win this war. This tells us exactly what the rest of the season is going to be about. Aang's going to continue learning earthbending, but we're going to see the gang... Try to find ways to stop the Fire Nation. Oh yeah. Aww. It's like we're giving information that's like relevant. Um, there's also a brief moment that greatly sets up Appa getting taken. Sandbenders! Shoo! Away from the bison! 
This leaves the viewer wondering what's going on and if we should be worried about Appa. It also leaves us knowing exactly what's happening when Appa is getting taken by the sandbenders, leaving more room for us to focus on the other parts of the episode that are going on. And Serena, I kind of want to just like yes. go off a little bit about this. <laughs> so like when Toph is holding up the library, she goes like, what is it now? And she turns around and like we see the sandbenders headed towards them. And like as a viewer, instantly we're like, Oh no, they're gonna yeah. take Appa uh-huh. because it was set up. Yeah, even though we don't see that happening, like exactly. we know why they're there, and that is so. That's so. Well, it's well done. It's brilliant. It's, it's such it's a good really job brilliant. of like structurally setting up and foreshadowing like throughout the episode. Because like as a viewer, I wasn't confused. As a viewer, I wasn't like, why are they there? And then they cut to the library, and it's like they're struggling. I'm like, wait, what's going on with mm-hmm. Appa? What's going to happen with these guys? I'm you like, knew, oh, I know there's mm-hmm. bad stuff going on, and they aren't going to make it. Yeah, they aren't going to make save it. Appa in time. Yeah, which is which leaves you know room for the viewers because it's very important information that they gain on the Fire Nation mm-hmm. in this episode. And it told us at the beginning of the episode that that's what we were going to focus on. But we then learned how the rest of the season is going to play out. We've got to get this information to the Earth King at Ba Sing Se. We'll wait for the next eclipse, then we'll invade the Fire Nation when they're totally helpless. The Fire Lord is going down! So, ergo, we know that the gang is going to go to Ba Sing Se. God, Serena, that was a lot. It's a lot. This is a lot. There's a lot in this episode, in this and we episode. still have to talk about characters. Anyway, and in our verdicts and our favorite characters. But first, we're gonna take a quick break. Thank goodness. I'm gonna text the hot man that I'm. Oh my god. So we're back, and we're here to talk about characters. And who else should we talk about but Sokka? And uh, here we go. He is already smart. We have seen this before. He's a very smart human being. Um, he chooses the library as a destination for his mini vacation because he clearly values knowledge. And Serena, I told you we were going to bring this up about the comes. books I was reading, and I'm very sorry I'm bringing this up, but Sokka is clearly a Ravenclaw. I... Sokka values knowledge above everything else. He is a very smart person. He values knowledge knowing things you're you are 100 percent right on that um i feel like there's a butt coming there is a butt coming and that butt is i i'm not sure the sorting hat would entirely put him in ravenclaw i feel like it's a uh, split between ravenclaw and hufflepuff and if Sokka knew anything about anything um but hufflepuff, he would choose. Is, hufflepuff is for loyalty right who was Sokka loyal to but it's not just loyalty. Hufflepuff is for the freaking weirdos, thank you. As, no, a res- as your resident not. Hufflepuff. No, as, like- as someone who is reading Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Lord. No, I think I think Sokka's a Ravenclaw. Um, if anyone's a Hufflepuff out of the entire gang as of right now, I think it's Aang. Oh, I was going to say Toph. Toph is a Slytherin. Yeah. Slytherin is ambitious and like... Self-serving, I don't like that much as well, and I also don't really like cunning. Um, I like ambitious best because it is like they are the go-getters, and I often think of self-serving as like they will put their own goals above like other people's needs. Um, I see that. I so see that. Maybe Toph we can a, do. And like Toph is a very ambitious person. It's funny because each of them is one of the four. So Aang is a Hufflepuff, Katara is a Gryffindor, Sokka is a or Toph is a Slytherin, and Sokka is a Ravenclaw. Okay, well, I feel like there might be a 
bonus episode coming on that. Mm. Can we talk about a crossover? Oh my please? god, maybe. Uh, we can talk more about the other ones later too. But yeah, yeah Sok- anyway. I think Sokka's a Ravenclaw. He values knowledge. He does. He does. He does value knowledge. Uh, but like we've talked about before, he's also a good warrior, and he's focusing on the battle strategies to help him gain advantage to help him win. The war. He's going to win the way with the knowledge that he gains. We don't see much of Toph in this episode, but the things we do see about her are very significant. The thing that I really like is that she isn't afraid to make fun of her own blindness. And there are multiple parts in the episode about that, and we are going to listen to a few of them. There it is! That's what it will sound like when one of you spots it. I say you guys go ahead without me. You've got something against libraries? I've held books before, and I gotta tell you, they don't exactly do it for me. Oh, right. Sorry. Let me know if they have something you can listen to. We have seen Toph's display of earthbending before, notably in The Blind Bandit, but here we see some more of Toph's raw power. She is able to stop and entire library from sinking, literally holding it up with just her earth Okay, bending. but Serena, like, hear me out. Okay, no. No. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. No, but no like, go ahead. There's no way she's holding up with, like, just her strength, right? There's no way that a 12-year-old girl could be strong enough to just hold up. Okay, but Tyler, but Tyler, earthbending is literally tied to strength. Okay. <laughs> and so she's using just about all her energy to stop an entire library. A huge building that is literally almost already underground. Right. She is using her pure earthbending to stop that from sinking. Holy Lord. Okay, I yeah, I gotta give it to you. It's impressive. Okay, it's very you. impressive. Anyway. Uh, Wan Chi Tong. Oh my god. The owl. I Wanchi felt Tung. like he had a few qualities that were he, worth bringing up. He did. He definitely did. Um, Wan Chi Tong, as the guy who, he who knows 10,000 things. In a lot of Asian cultures, 10,000 things is equivalent to infinity. So often when you wanted to portray like an all-knowing being, that being was someone who knew 10,000 things because 10,000 was the equivalent to infinity. Oh, well, you could have told me that before, because now that just nullified my entire earlier argument. <laughs> that was the point. That was the point of the cold open. We were making oh a joke God. about it. I didn't know it was a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were being dumb. No. No, so in a lot of, I know it for fact in Chinese and Japanese cultures, um, 10,000 things is equivalent to infinity. So that's why Wan Chi Tong is he who knows 10,000 things. It is the spirit who knows everything. That is really good to know. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I find that really fascinating. I like it. It's a good, it's a very it great clever, way to yeah. tie in the culture to Avatar. Um, yeah, so I, sorry I hijacked from that from you, but I have this next point, so I'm going to continue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Wan Chi Tong is very condescending. Um, treating himself as better than others because he's smarter than them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. His arrogance is definitely like a hindrance to himself, and he clearly underestimated a different type of knowledge that Sokka had. Oh, great spirit. Check this out. Ta-da! It's a special knot. That counts as knowledge. You're not very bright, are you? Ugh. Enjoy the library. Br- 
right enough to fool you. Sokka's right, too. I mean, Wanji Tong was condescending to Sokka mm-hmm. in a way calling him stupid just because he didn't think the knowledge that Sokka presented was worthy of his time. But also, like, Aang didn't even present any knowledge. It was just, like, a Fire Nation wanted poster. It was just, like, a random thing that he had. At least Sokka knew something that he was able to demonstrate. And let me tell you what, that knot, that's an impressive knot. Like... That's a sexy knot. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of cool, like that he tied a knot into yeah. a dragonfly. He did it really fast. It's very clever. Yeah, and it like it, it proves my point. Like it is knowledge, just it's a different type of knowledge. But Wan Chi Tong sees it as not being worthy. And that's just straight dumb, Wan Chi Tong. Wan Chi Tong, you don't know ten thousand things. <gasps> you know nine thousand nine hundred and nine. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. We both dabbed. I hate that about everything. <laughs> so, Serena, who was your favorite character of this episode? Tyler. My favorite character No, you can't was... tell me yet. You have to take a break. Yeah, I can't. Hold it in. Actually, Tyler, I'm going to ask you first. The suspense. <laughs> I'm getting I'm I'm getting down on one knee right now. Oh my god, I'm you so actually excited. are. <laughs> I am. Tyler, who was your favorite character? In my favorite episode? character was Sokka. Ah! I love Sokka so much. Sokka is so smart. He's not just some bumbling idiot, like, going around with Team Avatar. He contributes so much to the group. He is so useful. Like, without him, like, the team would not function the way that they do. Oh, I love him. And especially getting the knowledge on the Fire Nation. Like, he want, he knows that knowledge will give him the power to, like, defeat them. In what I said earlier, knowledge equals power. Sokka. I love Sokka. Sokka's great. Sokka. That's all. Sokka boy, mm, I could write a song about you, and I might just do that. So. Serena, who is your favorite character? <laughs> Tyler, my favorite character in the library is Toph. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> okay, you, we see a completely different side of Toph's character, right? Yes. She's so strong. She knows that she is, um, like, as we talked about, she is, disa- she is disabled, and she realizes her limits um, in helping the gang um, accomplish their goal. Um, and she willingly takes a step back, like, mm-hmm. even though I'm sure that it hurts her pride to mm-hmm. do so. Like, she sacrifices that for the good of the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and she stays with Appa. And I just, like, cannot get over her relationship with Appa. It is so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, when she just sits there um, after they leave her and she's just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I like when, like, the library starts sinking and Appa's like, <laughs> And she's like, I already told you I don't want to snuggle. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, it's, it's a great dimension to Toph's character. And also, you know, she literally... As I said before, she is literally using her entire strength to save mm-hmm. them. You it know, is she, a great display of her strength. It really is. And she and the fact that no one else can see it mm-hmm. is, oh, it's mind I mean, mind it's not just her strength either. It's her bending power. Yes. Like what she is capable of. Yes. And literally, that's just the tip of the iceberg, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also, I my heart breaks for her because, you know, we see, she knows that Appa is being taken away. Mm-hmm. But she also knows in that very moment, she made a split-second decision, and mm-hmm. she made the right decision. I agree. I'm mm-hmm. like, she can't do both. She, she can't save them and save Appa, and it, it really was a life-or-death situation. It was either, like, save Appa, and then what? We have no Avatar, we yeah. have no group, or, like— Exactly. I'm sorry, Appa, I can't do this. Yeah, and you, you know, I like, I don't know, I could, like— 
I could feel her anguish mm-hmm. from knowing that ta- uh, Appa was being taken away. And I don't know, that, that is one of the greatest displays of strength that I think Toph has ever shown. I so agree. That is there why was, There was a lot character. there with how little she was in the episode. There was a lot to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sokka was close second because, you know, <laughs> I would I date Sokka. that man. <laughs> I love Sokka so much. <laughs> so now that we know favorite characters, Tyler, I want to know cohesively and oh comprehensively, let's say holistically. Okay. Like, that's just to use words from my knowledge oh base, my if you will. <laughs> An episode about knowledge, using words from your knowledge base? Oh, my God. Am I'm I shaking. Like, I'm talented? quaking, babe. <laughs> like, you have me shooketh. Are you a thesaurus? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Oh my god. Tyler, what was your verdict on this episode? I gave this episode a 9. So I think that this episode could be a 10 um, because it's so like smartly planned out and there's so much given to us in a single episode. But... There it is. John O'Brien. Oh no! I'm sorry. There is a lot of awkward transitions and there's a lot of like pieces of humor that don't exactly fit and it's kind of like... That was a weird thing for characters to say at this moment. It doesn't feel as clunky as the Siege of the North Part 1 did, um, but it does still feel a little bit like, uh, and like, don't get me wrong, John O'Brien excels with humor. So I would say this is a high, high, high 9. Like, this has a very strong possibility of getting changed to a 10 in our Season 2 wrap-up. I see that. I see that. So I feel very strongly about this nine. It mm-hmm. could be a ten. Very, very, very close to a ten. Wow, wow. That's uh I love that for both of us because I gave this straight ten out of ten. I that's a great this job. This is a straight ten out of ten for me. Good job. Like I feel like if I were to introduce any of my friends to Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. I would show them this episode. Well, this is the episode that got me into Avatar The Last mm-hmm. Airbender. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this is the first episode that I saw, and I remember seeing, like, what's going on with this? Like, what? You know, it's so interesting. I wanted to know the story. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know what they were going to do. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this is a great episode. Yes, this episode has, and I mean, albeit it does have, like, cliche adventuristic, you know, themes in it. Like, it's got the... The, the villain who at first isn't a villain. It's got the mm-hmm. secret knowledge. It's got, like, the treasure. It's got, like, the uh, nail-biting, like, yeah. oh, what's going to happen the suspense, next? Yeah. Like, and it shows, like, the strengths of a lot of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I just, ah, oh, it, it's, it's got the perfect amount of intrigue and, um, like, heartbreaking. I was going to say heartbending because... Oh, my gosh. My heartbenders up. out there, you know who you are. <laughs> I could you use don't. <laughs> a good heartbender since my Stop. fiance. <laughs> Tyler, we could both use a good few heartbenders over here. Like, oh my gosh, I'm fanning myself because it's warm in here. It's really hot in here. (laughs) The studio is very warm anyway. We have no AC and we're hitting second summer. (laughs) Yeah, no, Tyler, this episode, this is a, this is a very, you said high nine, I must say this is a high ten. Yeah, no, this I, is a good episode. I, I I really hate to agree with you, but I do. Oh yeah, I we don't, got it. It's we not did. that I. It's not like I hate to agree with you, but it's like you're right. Yeah, and like Thank yeah, you. I gave this a nine. I could see myself giving this a ten, possibly in the future. Looking back on it, I already mm-hmm. changed one of my verdicts. As did I. Oh wow, so, <laughs> no, very fast. You've done three episodes. I've, I know, this is like, my tenth one. I, I told Tyler earlier. I was like, my emotions are very fluid. Okay. <laughs> I changed one of my verdicts. I could change this one as well. Who knows? We'll see. Hey guys, that is all we have for this episode. A 
huge, huge, huge thank you goes out to our producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Sun Event Productions. And shout out to Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Make sure you join us next week. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. I love looking through them as well. So like... Who knows? Maybe if you give us a five-star review, I'll shout you out. Maybe I'll shout out a five-star review on the next episode. Who knows? Um, Don't forget to tell a friend about the show and share the show on your social medias if you like it. Please, please, please feel free to reach out to us because we love hearing from you, like literally more than you probably think. Oh my God, I love getting emails and (laughs) messages. (laughs) You guys, our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R bender pod, P-O-D. Check out our Patreon. Starting at $1 a month, you can get early access to episodes as well as behind-the-scenes content and bonus episodes. Fun fact, Aaron, our producer, who we mention every single time, has joined us on our bonus episodes now. <laughs> so you get to hear their commentary as well. Aaron's a hoot and a half, God, you guys. We love Aaron. They're so much fun to have on, especially now that we're recording at their house. Oh my God, Before it was insane. just Sam and I like, let's just set up because we live together and we have a bedroom. <laughs> and now it's like, ooh, recording's a fun little hangout session. Um, you can find us by searching the Avatar Podcast Yip Yip on Patreon or by using the link in the description of this episode. I'm Serena Schreifels, the co-host of this show. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Serena underscore Schreifels. That's S-E-R-E-N-A underscore S-C-H-R-E-I-F-E-L-S. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this episode. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Thanks, gang, for tuning in. We will see you next week. Gang! Gang! Gang!